Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Today's, for anyone who's here for the first time, a visitor, this, as you probably would have guessed, is a slightly peculiar Sunday. Uh, It's the joining of two churches together, two coming together, two uh, with God becoming the three the three-braided cord in some ways. Uh, but in another aspect, it's totally different because uh, Pastor Kevin and Pastor Cheryl and Pastor Brian and Pastor Ruth are all away together at the same time for, as far as I know, the first time like ever. Uh, and uh, so there would almost never be sort of both gone from a Sunday at the same time. And the only time I can ever remember that coming to church and sort of both sets of sort of senior pastors were, were away was actually the very, very first time Laura and I came along to church, which was almost exactly to the day nine years ago. And uh, that's, the only, that's the last time I can remember that uh, Pastor Kevin and Pastor Cheryl and the assistant pastors at the time, uh, Andrew and Katrina, who are now pastoring up in Thurso and doing an awesome job up in the Highlands, but they were gone. And uh, we came into church, and it was the first time we'd ever been here. We just moved to Aberdeen, and uh, we sat down the service and, 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 and loved the service. And we had, there was a visiting speaker, a guy who speaks uh, at least you know, once or twice a year in the church, someone who just is a, an absolute friend of the church, uh, Pastor John Smiley. And he came up and preached, and I remember the first five minutes of his preach just feeling like almost offended in a sense. And I, I don't, didn't think of myself as particularly repressed or anything like that, but I remember hearing it being, oh, I'm not sure about this. I don't know. I don't know about this, Laura. I'm not sure if this will be the church we stay at. And after 10 minutes, feeling so totally convicted, so totally challenged, I was like, this is the church for us. This is a church where I know that I can change. I know that I can be pushed to sort of just receive as much of God as possible. And that has been the story. You know, after, after that, even though, you know, the pastors were totally away, uh, we made that decision almost right there on the spot, right there on that day, that we knew that this was the church for us. We knew this was a church where, where God could get a hold of our lives and, and, and really, you know, we, we could just receive whatever he had for us. And so I want to kind of uh, springboard from there straight into the, uh, the theme, the theme that we're running over this month uh, for our messages, which is Heart for the House. Heart for the House is the message series that we are doing over uh, all of September. And Heart for the House really talks about loving the church. That's, that's the point of it, is to, to love the church. And not, not so much often we sort of think church, we think building. Not so much the building, but rather the community that is the church. The, the purpose and the vision that sit within this church. That we would be passionate, that it would be healthy and vibrant. That we would take ownership of its well-being and that we would be totally invested in its future, that we would, we would see the church as, as, as being a, something within our lives, that we would take it in totally and we would love it, that we would have a heart for the house. Uh, it says in uh, John 8 verse 35 in the NIV, it says, now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. A son belongs to it forever. And you know, over my, uh, over my life, I've really had two churches that have uh, sort of been within my life. I had the church of my youth, the church that I grew up in, which was in Dundee. And then there was the church of my adulthood, the church that Laura and I, when we got married, almost, we moved up to Aberdeen. I was already here, but we moved together as a couple. And uh, 
and then our, our, our church life in Aberdeen uh, right here in the junction started. And, uh, and so I kind of think of it as have a, I had a church of my youth and a church of my adulthood. Uh, but although I didn't come to this church, I didn't come to the junction nine years ago as a young person. I would have been like sort of in my early, 20, early to mid-twenties. Uh, but I still recognize myself. I still identify myself as a son of the house. I just, I absolutely do. I, I, I couldn't really imagine seeing myself as anything other. Uh, because this church is a part of the wider body of God. It's part of the, the, the God's kingdom. It's, it's a part of that sort of whole infrastructure that God has built. And regardless of where you've lived and where you've grown up and where you've been before, you can be adopted into the house. You can be adopted into the house of God because it is part of the house of God. This is, a, this is one location. We have just today welcomed in another location into Inverness. And uh, so we have junction churches. But, but it is all part of the greater kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. And, and during, during my late teens and early 20s, I, I fell away from church. I went to university in Glasgow. I didn't have a church in Glasgow, and, uh, which is conspicuous by its absence. Uh, but I, uh, I, I kind of fell away, and in my sort of, I think by the end of uni, I sort of decided that probably it hadn't been the greatest decision of my life. And I came back into church. And I remember when I came back, I just had this feeling like, because I just felt like I'd made so many mistakes, so many poor choices, and I just been just felt quite distant from God. Though I never stopped believing in Him, I just had not allowed His influence to uh, to have sort of a good impact on my life. And so when I came back, I felt like I was kind of starting from square one. I felt like, well, I'm 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 a brand new baby Christian, and in a lot of ways, I absolutely was because. It was a decision that I'd made for myself as an adult as opposed to kind of growing up in church where you, you sort of you take that stuff on. But I'd made a very distinct choice for my life. But like really quickly, like almost within like a couple of weeks, I began to realize that everything that had been added to me in my youth, everything that had been spoken over me, every sort of uh, revelation that I had received growing up was still present as an adult. You know, it, was, it wasn't like it had disappeared. It wasn't that I was starting from square one, that there was a continuation. And a couple of years later, when we moved up to Aberdeen, the words that had been spoken to me were realized in this church and, and realized in a completely different setting from where I'd received them. And our journey with God is a continuous one. It's a continuous one, that it is one that starts from the moment that we receive God into our lives and it carries on throughout. In our lives, we cannot predict where they're going to be, where they're going to go, where God might send us, what we might be called to do. But our relationship and our journey with God is a continuous one. And his kingdom expands over the natural borders that we see in our life. You know, it expands into them. So whether you are here, uh, maybe you're a student and you're, you're here for the first time and, and you're not sure, you know, you, you felt like you, you had something going on where, where you're growing up and now feel like where on earth am I I'm sort of in no man's land just I want to encourage you today to let you know that your journey is a continuous one and what has been added to you in your youth what has been added to you in your past God does not take it away it's not like snake and, snakes and ladders you don't start from the beginning again God is adding to your life amen amen cool you can fulfill your purpose as a son or daughter anywhere within his body by remaining in his will remaining in his will and and it's the will of god that is home that is home that's when you are looking for a home when you're looking for a body of christ it is in the will of god you search for the will of god in matthew 6 verse 10 it says your kingdom come your will be done your kingdom come 
your will be done. See, his will faces towards the church, his kingdom. He faces towards his kingdom. He has a heart for his kingdom and his will will be done through the kingdom. So when you dwell there, when you dwell in the house of God, you will always be in the right place. You will always be in the right place and you will live out the destiny that he has placed upon your life. He is just... He has got that heart. He's, he, can, he can work out those complexities. It sometimes seems complex. It sometimes seems, well, how will anybody know what God has spoken over me? Well, God knows. And God is present in everywhere. God is present in this church, that church, every church, hopefully. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and God, God has a heart for his people. And he has a destiny that he places upon our lives. And, and, and we carry that with us. And when we, when we trust in God and we allow God to speak that word and, 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 and we believe in that, then it goes everywhere that we go. And so I want to ask a question with that in mind. Where is the line? Where is the line between carrying God's destiny wherever you go and serving the house and not your own ministry? See, as I said, God places you know, plans and purposes upon our lives and he, and, he, and, he, and he calls us to go and do things. And he, you know, we, we receive just sort of uh, revelation that, 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 that we know sort of has a purpose in our future. But when we go into a house, it's, it's uh, almost never a good idea to sort of go in with your own agenda. When you go into a new church, it's never a great idea to go in with your own agenda. Or, to, or to even it might not be a new church, it might just be a new day. And, and to bring your own agenda and to impose that agenda upon the church, is, it can be, can be an awkward thing and can often lead to a bit of upset. And, and I'm asking today, although God puts plans and purposes upon us, where is the line between that and serving the house? Serving and having a heart for the house. And there's a pivotal passage, a pivotal passage in the Old Testament. And it's a, it's a passage that totally defines the New Testament. It's something that has great power and prophetic uh, edge to it. And I, I want to read it. It's in Second Samuel uh, chapter 7, verse uh, 1 to 16. And it says... When King David was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all the surrounding enemies, the king summoned Nathan the prophet. Look, David said, I am living in a beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of God is out there in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, go ahead and do whatever you have in mind for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the Lord said to Nathan, go and tell my servant David, This is what the Lord has declared. Are you the one to build a house for me to live in? I have never lived in a house from the day I brought the Israelites out of Egypt until this very day. I have always moved uh, from one place to another with a tent and a tabernacle as my dwelling. Yet no matter where I have gone with the Israelites, I have never once complained to Israel's tribal leaders, the shepherd the shepherds of my, uh, my people Israel, I have never asked them, why haven't you built me a beautiful cedar house? Now go and say to my servant David, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I took you from tending sheep in the pasture and selected you to be the leader of my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone. I have destroyed all your enemies before your eyes. Now I will make your name as famous as anyone who's lived on the earth. And I will provide a homeland for my people Israel, planting them in a secure place where they will never be disturbed. Evil nations won't oppress them as they've done in the past. 
starting from the time I appointed judges to rule my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Furthermore, who loves a furthermore when God says furthermore? It's always going to be good. It's like an exclamation mark. The Lord declares that he will make a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. If he sins, I will correct and discipline him with the rod like any father would do. But my favor will not be taken from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from your sight. Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time and your throne will be secure forever. Whoa, like that's a pretty mental sort of scripture. That's, that's God upping the ante. That's David saying, hey, how about I do this for you? And God's saying, no, 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 no. That's not a knife. This is a knife. (laughs) When uh, Laura and I were uh, first going out, and uh, we had the first uh, February 14th, Valentine's Day, uh, uh, we were going to go in, uh, I was going to go around to to Laura's house, and we were going to have a meal. And I kind of forgot that you have to buy a gift for Valentine's and you know it was only our first one so you know <laughs> why, why would I think that so I'm kind of on my way around there and I didn't know what to do so I stopped at the most romantic shop I could think of Tesco's and, uh, and I was like well look I don't want to spend very much money on this uh, romantic <laughs> so I had a look around and uh, I settled upon buying her a light bulb and I bought a light bulb and I thought, you know what, I'm going to impress her. I'll be like, you are the light of my life. <laughs> Slick, right? Slick. So I sort of, I stroll around there. Here's my light bulb. Here's my cheesy line. And I give it to her. Who can guess that Laura did not receive that gift gratefully? She did not receive it gratefully. Laura, uh, particularly at that time, uh, did not cook very much. She didn't really... Uh, she sort of lived on her own, and so she would often not sort of do fancy meals and stuff. But because she had such love for me and wanted to impress me, uh, she had uh, gone to the lengths of doing this absolutely delicious meal, and she prepared it, and she, you know, sort of got the flat all looking romantic and things. And I, and I came around, I was like, oh, here's my light bulb. And, uh, <laughs> and you know what? I, she had done that because she wanted to impress me. She wanted to show her love for me. And... I thought she would be impressed with my sort of faux romance. Uh, she wasn't. When David said, I'm going to build a temple for God, he thought he was going to impress God. He thought he was doing God a favor. Who knows? God doesn't need our favors. He doesn't need our favors. And although, God, uh, although David had a great intention, he sort of it was almost like vanity had got a little bit in the way of him. He'd sort of, that humility had just sort of escaped him for a moment. He began to think that he could do something from God. Well, who knows that God's plans eclipse anything that we have in mind and they fit together seamlessly. They fit together seamlessly. They might not always seem like they fit seamlessly together on the surface, but when you look back over the course of your life, you can see where God has corrected your path and he has made all of the sort of the tiles and the segments, the jigsaw pieces of your life, all sort of fit together to to show something that demonstrates his glory. David had wanted to build God 
temple. And God had ordained to use David as a foundation of a dynasty. A dynasty that would culminate in, in Jesus Christ. That would be the culmination of this. Not just, not just uh, some sort of prestigious lineage of ancestors. He was talking about Jesus Christ, the Redeemer, who would be known in the New Testament as Son of David. You know, that was, that was the dynasty that God was talking about. He was taking this king who had thought, maybe I'll make you a temple, and said, I'm going to make you a foundation of a dynasty that is going to bring healing and restoration to my world. It's a dynasty that today we are all a part of. It's a dynasty of God's kingdom, of his house, of his body, of his church. David wanted to throw him up a building that he could live in, but grand... But they might have seemed like quite grand plans, but they were dwarfed, absolutely dwarfed by the majesty and extravagance of God's plan to establish a dynasty, but also to establish a new covenant, a new covenant with his people, a covenant that would extend to all mankind and would resolve the separation and sin that, 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 that prevented man and God from connecting. He, that, that was what God had in mind right back then. That's why this is something that defines the, uh, the New Testament because it is, it is God prophetically talking about that. And although the, the, the fullness of that couldn't have been understood at that time by David, it was God setting in place something that actually the whole Old Testament points towards. You find this is not the first time that God mentions this but it is another time it is another direction post along the way up until the great prophetic words in uh, Isaiah where he he really lays out the, the blueprint but this is all stuff that points towards it and David would be known Jesus would be known as son of David he'd also be known as son of God and son of man but known as son of David that's and God God is building his plans according uh, or his house according to his plans and and we are a part of that. We are a part of that. But we have to remember, we are not the origin of that. I think that's sometimes that a little bit what we get mixed up in our head at, that we think God might not have thought of this yet. And we, we try to originate plans. But God has the master plan. It says in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verse 11, it says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Amen. We're not, we're not advised or required to impart our vision of church onto him. We, we as a church, for, for many years, we've had a, a dream and a hope for, for a new building. We, just, we see so much potential, so much opportunity if we could find a building that we could, uh, we could move into, that would give us room to grow. And, and there have been so many words, so many prophetic words, and, and, and so much belief and so much faith. But... But it hasn't, it, it, we, I know we've pushed doors and we haven't ever tried to force something. As a church, I think we recognize that, you know, God has his time and God has plan. And although you, you present yourself for opportunity, like you never look a gift horse in the mouth. You, you don't sort of just wait for God to plonk it on your head. You allow yourself to be open to it. But if God is not giving you it, then it just means it isn't time. And, and we can get ourselves all wound up and all stretched out and all stressed up if we... If we start trying to push our agenda upon God, 
I know that there have been times where we've had plans and uh, things that we want to do in church, you know, maybe uh, uh, groups that we would want to start. And we just think if we had somebody who maybe, uh, you know, had these qualities or somebody who had this vision or somebody like that or somebody with this sort of experience. And we, we sort of think, oh, if we, we had this person, if we had that person. But the reality is that God brings the right people into the right house. And you know, if you, if you push these things, if you push your agenda on God, you often get round pegs in ro- uh, square holes. Or the other way around, I don't know what the saying is. But uh, it, it's you, you end up something that isn't what God intended. And when you end up with something that isn't what God intended, that it isn't the best that God has for you. And that's what we're looking for. That's what we want. In, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 to 33, it says, So don't worry about these things, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Insecurity is what robs us. Insecurity as a a people, corporately and and individually, it, it, it robs us because it robs us of God's promise. Rather than trusting in the road less trodden, we chase after fads. We chase after the next cool thing, the thing that all the, 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 the churches that are on television are doing, or, or all the really cool Christians we know in our life. And, and we, we, instead of like trusting God that he has a plan, he knows the road that we should be upon, we chase after what looks fashionable. We chase after what looks flashy. We look, uh, chase after what worked for somebody else. And that is not trusting God. That's trusting like that we can... That's trusting in your own ability to read stuff and, and, and listen to stuff. It's not listening to God. It's substituting style over substance. God is substance. He is substance. It says in 1 Corinthians 4.20, For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. It is living by God's power. It's great to have style, but you want substance in your life. And that is what God is all about. Trusting God's power to move mountains rather than trying to talk our way around it. It's avoiding the issue. It's avoiding what God has for us. And God has the very best. Just like for David, he had the very best. He had a plan that dwarfed anything that he could have expected. Uh, This week... Uh, my, uh, I was speaking with my uh, my mum, my uh, uh, mum who has great vision and great uh, sort of belief and faith uh, on the inside of just the the power and the the stretch that God's hand can have upon a nation. And she uh, she wrote uh, a letter to Prime Minister David Cameron and uh, the First Minister uh, Nicola Sturgeon. I know what you're thinking. I'm thinking the same thing. Crank. Uh, but <laughs> she wrote them a letter uh, because she'd read something and it just really touched her heart and she felt like it was a, it was a message she wanted to impart onto uh, the leaders of our country. And it was a, a proclamation that had been made by Abraham Lincoln in March 3rd, 1893. And it was uh, during the Civil War. And Abraham Lincoln, who was the President of the United States at the time, was so anguished by the ravages of Civil War. He was just so distraught at the the of what had become of his nation, this nation of great dreams and uh, you know, great possibilities. And they were just, they were warring amongst themselves and it was causing uh, the nation all you know, untold woes. And he wanted, he, so he, he wrote a letter, or basically it was like a letter, but it was a proclamation that went out all over the United States because he wanted to refocus his nation upon God. 
And he had accredited, in, in this proclamation, he credited God for the growth in population, wealth, and power of his nation, which was like unlike any other nation on earth at the time. And he acknowledged that his people had begun to sort of vainly imagine that these blessings were produced by their own superior wisdom or their own nobility. Uh, and they had become sort of self uh, too self-reliant and too self-important. And he wanted his nation, he was, he was imploring his nation to once again become humble before God and pray for grace and mercy. And, and he wrote, uh, For God warned Israel in Deuteronomy 8, when your, when your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant. That he may establish his covenant. Everything that God does in our lives, in the life of the church, in the life of a nation, everything that God has influence upon is not about building empires for people. It's about building upon his covenant. It's about bringing his covenant to the forefront. That, that a nation would, would, would uh, much like Israel under Solomon, that was just this grand and majestic nation that stood forefront of the, the world stage with its wealth and its power and its influence. And what was at the very heart of that? God was at the very heart of that. And likewise, in the, in the early uh, and, and even the sort of the 20th century of the, of the United States, that it had this power and this influence, this great growth. And what stood at the bottom of it was this, was this foundation upon God, this foundation that knew and recognize that God was at the center of absolutely everything. And as, as, as we moved away, as, as Solomon moved off those foundations, his empire sort of began to crumble because it was not an empire designed to glorify him. It was one that was to glorify God. And that is what our relationship in church is, that we are not building empires for ourselves. Our, the plans and the destinies upon our lives are all to come together to build for a common purpose, to all to build towards God's glory and to build his covenant, to bring his covenant before people. Can I get someone up on keys? I'm going to finish in just a moment. The church, the church is the realization of his covenant. It's the focal point here on earth. When we, when we give our lives to God, when we, when, we, when we accept and acknowledge God as the Lord and Savior of our lives and that He is our Redeemer, it is, it is then, we are then able to sort of join with, with, with other believers in the church to, sort of, to, to fulfill that covenant, to be uh, a blessing to this world, to bring the good news to the world. That is, that is the plan and purpose. No one has a bigger heart for the house than God. I think if any, you go away with absolutely anything here this morning, understand this, that God has the biggest heart for the house. He's the biggest heart for this house and your house. Because as our lives are enriched, so is his house. Our lives and our houses are the building blocks of his house. It is what it is constructed of. It is not bricks and mortar. It is lives. It is people's lives. It says in Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. I know that when I was uh, in my early 20s, that I, when I walked away from church, and that was essentially what I did. I didn't really b stop believing in God or anything. I just stopped 
stopped attending. I just I stopped being a part of it. I stopped being a contributor. I just was a bystander, a spectator. And because of that, I was outside of God's will. I was outside of what his plans and his purpose. And he had plans to prosper me and to enrich me. And I don't mean necessarily with finances. I, I mean just he had, he had ways and means that he wanted to bring the most out of my life, to make my life be a life that, that has much purpose in, and, uh, as it could possibly have, that it wouldn't be one that would be wasted. And, and as, I, as I left, and I, I remember thinking this when I came back, it's like, what time have I wasted? What time have I wasted while being away? Because I was not in the will of God. But as soon as I came back into the will of God, as soon as I really just sort of invigorated my life and reattached it and, and, and integrated myself back into church, I found that I was on paths that made sense, paths that took me to the right places, paths that brought me to a wonderful wife, that brought me to an amazing church, brought me into opportunity, that gave me children, that, that gave me uh, just opportunity to, to speak in front of you guys. That, that, that when you are on God's path, when you are in his will, then you allow God the opportunity to move upon your life. To move upon your life and do the absolute most with your life. I think that's got to be everybody's dream. On the inside, it's almost human nature that, that you want your life to mean as much as it possibly can. That you do as much as you possibly can. And not that you seek to be sort of glorified and praised, but that you want your life to have significance. And when you are in the will of God, you have the opportunity to have that significance come upon your life. Amen? Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.